Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dax Shepard. I'm joined by Lily Padman. Hello. Oh, baby. Today kicks off a fun week for us. It does. We're doing our, a theme. Our favorite show of 2024 thus far. Yes. <laughs> Fargo season five. We've talked about it endlessly. So good. And we got the idea. Let's do a Fargo week to celebrate the people that are making the show because it's so next level great. So today is Juno Temple who plays... Dot, right? Dorothy. Yeah, our protagonist. Dorothy Lyon. Juno's a total revelation to me because I missed out on Ted Lasso. But Juno is an Emmy Award-nominated actor. She is from Ted Lasso, Killer Joe, The Brass Teapot, Maleficent, The Offer, and of course, our current obsession, Fargo Season 5. She's incredible, and she's incredible in Ted Lasso, too. She's so good. Aaron, did you know her before you were watching Fargo? No, I, I'm obsessed with her now, though. Oh, she's incredible. Yeah, the only, I've never watched Ted Lasso, but right. that's what everyone says. No, she wasn't Ted Lasso. I know, people have said that to um, me, and they've yelled at me for not having seen Ted me Lasso. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, straight up yelled. That, that's great. That means that the fans of Ted Lasso are diehard. Yeah. Yeah, feather in the cap. Well, I am so excited about Juno Temple. What a mind-blowing performance in Fargo. I mean, my goodness. She does all the things. Exactly. But Aaron is here today because after uh, several challenges that we have been navigating, we finally have a full freight brew of Ted Seeger's oh, baby. most delicious non-alcoholic lager. It is, uh, yeah, everything that... Could have went wrong, went wrong. We learned a lot about manufacturing and distribution in the last couple months. Yeah. Turns out you can't just start up a beer company and turn it on. <laughs> and expect it to run without any challenges. Oh, the things, Monica, we've discovered. Those gorgeous gold caps we use. When we ordered them. The first time, no one said like, hey, good thing you got this batch because there's no more left after this. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, so that became its own challenge. And yeah. then we learned the value of pasteurizing, which now we're doing. So that rules out any batches going bad. Ba yeah. Guess what we found out? Batches can go bad. Well, they cannot pass QC, which we would, thank God, we would not want to put out anything that isn't <laughs> perfect. Yeah. But this batch is perfect and <laughs> golden and mm. delicious. Oh. And if you want to order a 12 pack, a six pack, some merch, go to tedseekers.com because we're back up and running. Two days left of sober January. Yeah, that's Just, that was the goal. Ah, that was the goal. <laughs> this Let's was the last of the goals. It was Memorial Day, Fourth uh, of July, sober right? October, sober October, <laughs> whatever else, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, <laughs> New Year. <laughs> now, yes, dry January, dry last, last forty-eight of dry January. Let's hit it hard. <laughs> but the good news is we've figured it all out. We've learned a lot, and now. It'll be an endless supply. So go to Ted Love Seeger's, it. order up, and drink to your heart's content. And please, most importantly, enjoy Juno Temple. We are supported by HelloFresh. You know, there are days when it's really hard to decide what to eat. You stare blankly into the fridge for what feels like hours with no success. And you end up hangry. Well... I've got a solution. HelloFresh, they deliver fresh ingredients and chef-curated recipes straight to your home. And they even take care of the meal planning. I love it because I always text Callie, what should I eat for dinner? Okay, you ask her a lot. Uh, yeah, because I get stressed and overwhelmed. And she doesn't know. And so HelloFresh is so great if I have it because then it's all there. I don't have to make any decisions. Well, what did you get into last night? Ooh, last night I had a, you know I love prosciutto. 
Mm-hmm. I had Who doesn't? A, that was so good. I had a prosciutto wrapped chicken and it had a truffle chive mashed potatoes and Ooh. a lemony broccoli. It was delicious. Oh my goodness. Go to HelloFresh.com slash DAXFree and use the code DAXFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life. Available for a limited time at HelloFresh.com slash DAXFree with the code DAXFREE. We are supported by Sleep Number. Sleep is so important for your overall health and well-being. And if you don't get enough of it, there could be some serious negative impacts. So how do you make sure you get some quality rest? Well, it starts with a good mattress, like the Sleep Number Smart Bed. It was designed for your one-of-a-kind, ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can take your sleep to the next level. Boy, I got to tell you, having just traveled back and forth to India and skipped 12 time zones, I get reminded of how absolutely imperative good sleep is. Oh, it's so necessary. You cannot even feel like a human being if you're not. (laughs) The best part about Sleep Number is you can easily adjust your firmness. And while you sleep, Sleep Number smart beds automatically respond and adjust to your movements throughout the night. It's heaven. And if you want to improve your health and well-being, Sleep Number is where you should start. Sleep Number smart beds can show your ideal sleep and wake-up schedule and the best times for activity like working out and winding down. Sleep next level with a Sleep Number smart bed. It's the only bed that lets you adjust each side to your ideal firmness and comfort. Your Sleep Number setting only at Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com. He's an And it ended up being like some rogue drive-by shooting from some poor guy in Vegas or some crazy shit. I was like, what? Oh, no. Yeah, not a lot of shootings in England. Very few. (laughs) Almost never. Non-existent. More knifings. (laughs) (laughs) Or sword fights. (laughs) Okay, so wait, you just bought your first house here in Hollywood. Yeah. Okay, and do you love it? I love it. How long have you been in it? Very little because we got it and then had to go to the UK and start work. So all in all, I've been there probably like three weeks. Out of how long of owning it? Middle of October. Is it heartbreaking? Do you want to be there so bad? Oh, so bad. But it's also kind of right now, it looks like creative chaos slash being robbed because, you know, it's like doing multiple trips and not fully ever unpacking a suitcase. So you just make piles or elegantly pile suitcases on top of each other and hope no one will notice. (laughs) Yeah. At some point, I need to do some good organizing. You're shooting the Marvel thing in yeah. England. Mm-hmm. I got to just say, we're so excited that you made time because I know you're crazy busy and you're already doing a bunch of press and you were at the No, Golden I'm so Globe. thrilled. Okay. When do you go back to England? In an hour? This weekend. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> this weekend? Yeah. Okay. And what's the schedule on a movie like that? Is it like a nine-month ordeal? Crazily, no. It's about three months in total, I think. Maybe a little bit more. I was surprised at the timing of it. And I think that's quite unusual for one of those movies. This is my first real experience doing one of these. In a Marvel movie. Venom 3. Yeah. But it's not the third Venom, or is it? I don't know enough about Venom. Yeah, no, I think it is. I could be wrong. No, 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 it is. The the third of these installment, like... Oh, have you seen the others, Rob? Yeah. Okay. Because Tom Hardy? Yeah, I like Tom Hardy a lot. Oh, I love Tom Hardy. So do I. Did you watch Peaky Blinders? Yeah, but he's also just brilliant in everything he does, really. Yeah, it's impossible. Are you guys from similar areas in England or no? No, I'm from the southwest of England, an area called Somerset, 
which is about two and a half, realistically three hours outside of London, down towards Cornwall, in the middle of nowhere. Like I grew up with no cell phone service. If you had a power cut, it was like candles for a good three days. Uh-huh. We have a stream near us where we have our water system linked up to that. So you have stream water and stuff, but it means that if the stream dries out, you have to switch to the mains. It's a 675-year-old farmhouse or 700-year-old farmhouse. Well, the town's like a thousand years old, right? Some of the buildings there? Yeah, some of the stuff has so much history. Is it by Goodwood? Goodwin, the crazy car show? They have like, there's a racetrack. It's in the Southwest. I'm going to be honest. I don't know how to drive. Okay. So car shows would be something I don't it's know a huge you. amount about. I'm so bummed because it's the only thing I've got going for me is a cool car collection. So <laughs> I love a great no, car. Don't get me one. wrong. I wish I could figure it out. You just have no desire to drive one. My brain, <laughs> it just won't. Have you tried? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I failed the written test multiple times. Wow. I passed it once, oh. which was great. Yeah. But then it comes to actually getting in the car and my brain fully... It's like it has an actual blackout as to which one is the gas and which one is the brake. You can't keep that straight. And that's, that's a big part of it. You really want to keep that straight. But I have a hunch this is in your category of I can't swim. That's what it feels oh. like to me because Monica has a story that she can't swim, but she can. Okay. I could probably survive <laughs> yeah. if I got thrown in. Probably. But I haven't done it in so long. I just don't know and I don't want to find out. Yeah, that's fair. I've tried to get behind a wheel multiple times and I've done it on different movies and quite quickly after you do one take where you almost take out a camera and go <laughs> behind it, people are like, you know what? We're just going to give you a little, yeah. a little shove. Oh, you weren't being humble. You fucking can't drive I a car. I cannot <laughs> drive. No, no, no. And my fiance, who's an amazing, amazing guy, he's a mechanic. Oh, Truly, in his heart of hearts. And he's a big motorcycle man. I am too. Are you? Okay, yes. I've got any does he do track guys. days? Does he go to the track? Out here, he's kind of figuring it all out, but he loves that stuff. And he's got a KTM here, and then he's just bought two kind of junk bikes that he's taking apart and wants to redo. And so he's doing that kind of stuff right now. I know him? I doubt it, but Did uh, you, you guys him? should. Yeah, you, you guys should. should hang out if yeah. you're a motorcycle man. I'm kind of, if you move to this town and you want to know all about where to be riding and stuff, I am the kind of go to. So I need to, if you're up for it, yeah. hook that up because that would be absolute heaven. There's nothing I like more than lecturing a stranger about what they should do. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a perfect day for me. <laughs> Tell them to block out like three, four hours for it. I can give them a lowdown every single track in California. Oh, that would be sick. He'd love that. I wore this sweater for you, but that's as much as I could take of it. English vibes? It feels, well, specifically, it's my Beckham phase. Ah, oh, okay. Did you watch the doc? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, my Lord. Well, growing up there, were you in love with him? Because to let you know where I'm coming from, I knew he was famous. I don't know anything about football. I didn't know if he was great or he just was really good looking. I watched that doc. I'm like, oh, my God. He was like the Michael Jordan of soccer. Yeah, he was a great player. And then so fucking attractive, I couldn't stand it. It was maddening. Yeah, very beautiful. So I grew up and I had a household that I kind of grew up listening to really old rock and roll music. So people that I had crushes on were like Tom Petty and Jim Morrison and stuff. And I'm still kind of bad with up-to-date culture. (laughs) You have like an old soul quality. You look old as hell. Thank you so much. You look like (laughs) a a baby. (laughs) (laughs) No, you have like an old soul quality. Do people say that? Yeah, I've had that said to me before, which I think is one of the highest compliments. It's a huge compliment. I feel very unwise about certain things and then there are some things that and some people you meet and you're like whoa this is kind of more ancient than what's going on right now yes yeah. like you've always been here kind of like the guy from the show which we'll get around. oh my god the Swede yeah, <laughs> yeah the Swede. maybe he's 400 years old I don't know you don't know I think he is do you think I'm going to take a stab at something psychologically okay so not knowing this at all and I watched a bunch of interviews with you and this did not come up my hunch is you adore your dad, and your dad was very much embroiled in that early rock and roll scene yeah. and hanging out and filming the Sex Pistols yeah. and best friends with Joe Strummer from fucking The Clash. Yeah. 
And so if you were like a proper daddy's girl, you would want to be hip to all that shit. And that's what I listen to. You know, God Save the Queen is somewhat of a lullaby for me. <laughs> right. And I think my dad is a huge inspiration for everything I do because he really can't do anything that his whole heart doesn't believe in. And I think that's an extraordinary thing to stay true to for his whole life thus far. Whether it's gardening or making a rock and roll documentary, it's like he can't half-ass anything. And I think that's such an honorable thing when it comes to artistry, you know? I mean, I did have a moment in my teens where I started playing a lot of early Gary Newman and lots of like synth sounds that made both of my parents like, Oh, God. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, I put them in the house. Yeah, but then would talk about why it tickled me or whatever. I think there's something about certain synth sounds that sounds sort of water-like and repetitive that I really like. But it means that some of my playlists can be playing for hours and someone would say, has that been the same song? Sure, sure, and you're sure, like, sure. No, 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 absolutely not. Right. <laughs> yeah. What genre are we saying this is? My brothers actually educate me a lot. You have two little brothers? I've got two little brothers who are two of the most incredible humans. My middle brother just got a fellowship at Cambridge oh, University. Oh, come on. Are you fucking kidding me? Get out of here. Sorry, I'm wow. so proud. I don't even oh, know what to do. They have cool that. names too, like Leo, Leo and, and Felix. Yeah, they sound like a couple cats in a cartoon. Oh my God, your parents must be so proud of their children. Yeah, and then my youngest brother, Felix, has just come out to LA, which is really exciting. Oh, He's doing really cool graphic designing for a great company called Superculture. They do really interesting collaborations, particularly with clothing, that is really cool, and he's doing graphic design for it. Okay, and the mom also produced movies? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're very artsy, and so is it a bohemian-esque lifestyle <laughs> growing up? Yeah. Are rules, I don't know. Rules are there to be bent, okay. right? <laughs> but at the same time, things that were important always were being honest and being accountable. And then also education was key. My dad always said to all of us, you know, knowledge is the key to life. The more you know, the more that you understand, the more you can do. So I had to finish high school. King's College? That was one that I went to that wasn't my favorite school, actually, but finished my last two years at a school called Beedales, which is a very creative school. And I had a really great time there. But it's funny because boarding school is a big thing in England. It's kind of a given, whereas here it's more of a choice. We just had Paul Giamatti on and he was promoting this great Alexander Payne movie. I don't know if you saw it, The Leftovers. You see it? No, no. Holdovers. Holdovers. Yeah. 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 Leftovers is a show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Justin Thoreau. Okay, so you saw the holdovers. Yeah, and he's so brilliant in it. And I'm so excited for all of the things that are happening for him. I could watch that character rummage around that room and smoke cigarettes and drink for five hours if he wanted to. No words. But yeah, he was talking about the history of our boarding schools and how they're very much the English model. Here we have this kind of fantasy, there's like a Hogwartsy element that we have <laughs> that we tie to it, right? There's something enchanted about it from our perspective. What was it like from your perspective? It wasn't Hogwarts, for okay. sure. There was no... No potions class? Uh, I mean, not far <laughs> off at Beedales, actually. It was a school that was unusual for a boarding school because it didn't have school uniform and you called your teachers by their first names, which mm. feels more of an American trait, actually. Yeah. But it was a school that in the 60s, I believe, was a kind of big hippie school. And I do know that Daniel Day-Lewis went there. Ooh, oh my God, so now I'm even more interested in it. <laughs> we were not there at the same time, unfortunately. <laughs> it was a school that really encouraged artistic brains, but then at the same time would say, but you got to get your math GCSE. So we'll figure out an extra class in this. If you wanted to do kayaking, they would organize a way for you to go kayaking and do extra homework to pass your math exam. It was a really interesting school for that because it's very much about encouraging artistic minds do that people, don't necessarily work with numbers. <laughs> and do people board there? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Okay, then that's a very peculiar thought for me as someone with children. 
our oldest turns 11 in a couple months. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I mean, it's only seven more years. Like, I'm already panicked about only seven more years where I know they'll be under my roof. So the notion of giving up a couple of those to send them away to school, I just can't imagine it. Well, also in the U.S., it's normally an airplane right away going to a boarding school. Right. Whereas in the U.K., it's not. That makes sense. One of the boarding schools I went to before, King's College, was only 25 minutes from my parents' house. So I could see them on most weekends. And then the second boarding school I went to was further. It was about a three-hour drive, too. But I would have these great road trips with my mom. We'd listen to the Pretenders a lot. That's nice. And we'd drive past Stonehenge, pretend we saw aliens and things like that. What kind of kid were you in high school? We would call it high school. I was such a kid kid for a long time, but I started smoking at like 13, 14, but still played with Barbies. So it was like this weird combination. Yeah, mixed messages. Totally. And then I was always kind of creating these wild universes when I was younger that really were encouraged by where I grew up because we've got this incredible, wild, beautiful terrain around us. And so I was quite a kind of dreamlike teenager, I guess. You were living in fantasy a lot. Kind of, yeah. Can I also tell you one thing to alleviate any stress you have? We edit and anything you would want to, you just tell us. Okay, great. Thank you. (laughs) I just wanted you to know. There's a huge safety net here. Thank you. But I was trying to think of the right word because I was also somewhat quiet, but then would be encouraged by certain best friends to kind of be wild and crazy. And I think I tried to stay young for a really long time. And I still find that kind of a thing that I have some nervousness about growing up fully into a woman, I feel. Yeah, totally. But that's what I love about being an actress is that it kind of guides you down these extraordinary paths of playing these different women. And every time I've done a job, especially in the last kind of five years when I actually started becoming a woman on camera, you learn how extraordinary it is to be a grown-ass woman. The different perspectives of that become inspirational rather than scary. What parts of being a full adult woman scare you? Having to have kids, is that part of it? No, I think that's something that would be an incredible journey and that can happen when you're, you know, a teenager sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's more about real life things that I'm really bad at, like being on time. To things. Okay. Mm. Driving a car. Driving a car. Uh, taxes? <laughs> exactly. How do you do with filing taxes? Taxes, I have an extraordinary business manager. Yes, that that's me. right. Perfect. But I'm not good at the everyday sort of things that come along with being a grown-up, right? And I yeah. see some of my girlfriends who I'm so in awe of who can be all the things. They can go out and have wild dancing nights and be like these young-hearted angels and then can cook dinner and also organize taxes Put their clothes and file away things. when they come home from Exactly, vacation. fold the laundry yeah. and do all these things. And they kind of have this incredible marriage of being able to do both. And that's something that I would love to be able to do one day. But I don't know if it will ever happen. Or is it maybe you'd be sacrificing that free spirit for a more... Yeah, do you think you might lose something in the trade? No, I just am not good at it. They say that you're going to have things that your brain is kind of turned off to. It's almost like relearning a new skill, which, like driving, I hear is a lot easier when you're younger. When your brain's more plasticky? Yeah. I think that's what they say. You start acting young, right? You're in a movie at 9 or 10. You're in a movie your Well, that was my first experience, and I got cut out. So I learned early, you don't always make the cut. Right, so how were you pursuing acting in this very tiny town of 64,003 hours away? (laughs) Do you actually know that it was 64,000 people? That's what your town is. Wow. He does lots of research. Is it really? (laughs) And I know that the buildings are a thousand years old there, which is very exciting. I would love to stare at a thousand-year-old building. You get a bit of that in London. There'll be a plaque on something. Because we're such a young country relative to everyone else. That's hard to fucking believe. Like when you're standing there staring at it, it's like, my goodness, the amount of history that transpired while this thing was still here, I find really enchanted. Me too. But I wonder if you grow up around it, it's just like a given and it's not interesting. I guess that's my curiosity. Fuck no. 
you dig <laughs> it. Oh my God, how yeah. can you not be interested Yeah, like in Stonehenge, that? the fact that you're saying you drive by Stonehenge, to us, Stonehenge is like almost maybe just in sci-fi. I'm not exactly. even sure it's a real thing. It is. <laughs> It's absolutely magic. Did you ever go there and do like mushrooms as a kid? Not at Stonehenge, no, but I grew up going to Glastonbury Festival and there's an incredible tour there which has got a lot of amazing history to it. And when you walk around places like that, you literally think about the Knights of the Round Table yes, where yes, in yes. conversations of being here, King Arthur. And I grew up, my little brother was obsessed with the Knights of the Round Table and King Arthur and Merlin, wizardry like that. And my dad taught him everything he could about it. They would go on these incredible like Excalibur quests across the Quantock Hills and stuff. I think if you start getting bored of that kind of history, then what? Is this Leo or Felix? Leo, actually. He's got this extraordinary brain that when he gets into a subject, so maybe it might be the ancient Egyptians or the Knights of the Round Table, fish is another big one. The band fish? No, fish, the, oh, the, the, the creature animal. Oh, the actual creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He will try and know everything he can about it. It's right. an extraordinary brain. I want you to ask him if he's seen the John Borman movie Excalibur. It is the best of all these movies. Is that quite gory and quite old? Yes, it's dark as fuck. I think my dad and him were watching it when he was like five and there was this moment of like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, it's graphic. There's tons of nudity. It's gory. <laughs> it's scary. And for some reason, that was one of the first things we had on VHS tape in like 1983. And my brother and I watched it every single weekend we were at my dad's. I know that movie backward and forward. And yeah, I love it. Merlin and Sir Lancelot. Yeah. And Guinevere's a babe. Yeah. So the fact that the Glastonbury tour That's essentially ridiculous. like actually housed a lot of those feet and walked around and they had conversations and cried and laughed and it's amazing. Yeah, I like that you were aware of it. My assumption would be you just would take it for granted. I feel like I would take it for granted. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> because it doesn't let you. You know, buildings that are that old, like the house that I grew up in at night, it literally decompresses. And so if you haven't stayed there before, people are like, oh my God, it's ghosts. It's definitely haunted. It's all these things. Which, probably. You <laughs> sure, know? maybe. And I've had friends that have had great stories about being in my childhood home. But the floorboards actually decompress at night. It's almost like the house has to be like... Ex exhales. <sighs> Fucking hell, that was a long day. You know, it's like <laughs> I've been fucking doing this for a thousand years. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My I'm exhausted. God. Kind of can't not be aware of the history going on there. Well, and the inconveniences, as you say, like you're using candles sometimes because the power sucks. But is that and... an inconvenience? It's a beautiful thing. Well, it's wonderful, no question, but it depends what you're in the middle of. If you're in the middle of blending batter for a cake and it goes out, yeah, that's inconvenient. Then you go to whisk it by hand. <laughs> you do. You got to pull out that bicycle kind where you totally. spin the shit out of yeah. it. Okay, so how are you pursuing acting in this cute little Hamlet? Presumably, I imagine also your parents are fine with it right out of the gates because they're Well, in that's that. what's interesting. They actually kind of want. I remember having a feeling about it when I was about four and a half years old. It was the first time I actually felt aware of wanting to be an actress. And it was actually my parents lived here and I had chicken pox like really badly unbearable itching and I was being annoying about it and I remember what I was wearing I was wearing this little corduroy dress with a red trim and my dad was like okay I'm gonna put on a movie and my dad has the most incredible laser disc collection God bless him amazing such a dad to have a laser disc and still <laughs> has it and so he had it and this was a while ago now it was a good 30 years ago and pulled down the projector screen and put on La Belle La Bette this black and white Jean Cocteau Beauty and the Beast which if you haven't seen haven't it's, seen it I'm feeling like a Philistine oh. right now can I micromanage one thing yeah okay yeah, good job, Dax. Yeah. Oh, my height. <laughs> Two things were happening. I couldn't hear you as good as I wanted to, nor could I see you as good as okay. I wanted to. Oh, fuck. Now he's going to micromanage my micromanage. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Because I'm shorter wow. than everybody. Now, how tall are you? So I put lifts in all my shoes. You do? Yeah, even in these ones. Yeah, those are big boys. You're those right. are nice. Are you five feet? I'm five two. Okay, you're you're taller than me. I am. But now I'm gonna start doing lifts. Yeah. Oh my god. They're life changing. She's younger, she's got more I know. I know. I already know this, I know. and that's why 
This is hard. It's hard for me. It's hard it for me when people come in and they're younger Mostly and wiser and more talented. And they've been and, to Hogwarts oh, come on now. Party <laughs> dad has a cool laser disc collection. Oh, yeah, my dad doesn't even know what that shit. is. <laughs> You're just like me. You're a piece of I shit. I am. Laser discs are great. <laughs> they're wrong. They look like a fucking album. Yeah, they're like a vinyl, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I watched this movie and it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And I forgot I had chicken pox. And that for me was the first experience of real life magic. So whatever my understanding was at four years old of that, I just knew that I wanted to be a part of making magic. And about 10 years later, I was 14, and that's when I told my parents, I said, I want to be an actress. And both of my parents were like, fuck, that's going to be hard. Because they know. They know how the sausage is made, and they know about the rejection and the disappointment. I don't think the rejection ever gets easy, you know? Yeah. Right. But at the same time, you understand it. It's hard for me to believe you were ever rejected. Of course it was, because I'm not know. right for every project that a director has this incredible vision of. And that's what you always find out when you see the end product. You well, watch the movie, and you understand why you weren't cast. That's a really important realization when it happens, that it's not just you. It's actually about how you fit into th this universe that somebody is creating. Yes. And you may not. Undeniably, of course, it's still, it you hurts. have the moments where it hurts because you audition for things that you want, you care about, and yeah. you're interested in. And so my parents definitely understood that. But then my mum also found out about an open audition that was happening in London for a movie called Notes on a Scandal. And she was like, okay, so I've been sent this. And if you want to be an actress, you should go and see how many other quick, girls. How did she even find out? Was there like a backstage West version in I think London? a friend of hers actually ended up sending it to her. I guess that makes sense. She's already a producer. Yeah. And I went with one of my best girlfriends at the time to somewhere in East London, a kind of warehouse set up. And there were a lot of people waiting in line to go and do whatever it was we were going to do when we got into that room. When it came to finally getting there, they just took your picture and asked for your information. The first round was simply that. Yeah. And then I, the next day, had a phone call from somebody that was working on this project. And the director was Richard Eyre, who's is brilliant and it was with Kate Blanchett, Judy Dench and Bill Nye. No, it's oh, it's insane. No, no, it's yeah, insane. No, it's <laughs> Sorry. It's like, you have a bunch of these loud. by the way. You have an inordinate amount of these. That to me never gets old. Yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god. She's my single favorite actor alive. She's extraordinary. Uh, yeah, Kate. And the way she transforms into a role, it's honestly one of the most breathtaking things still to date I've ever seen happen. And so when I got this phone call about doing an audition for this, could they bite the script over? Literally, I was like, oh, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna bite the script, what? <laughs> like this crazy, like, is that slang? What does it mean? What does yeah. it mean? Pigeon, yeah. We're gonna send you your sides via <laughs> courier pigeon. Be by your window at seven. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> don't be late. So then this script came and I got to read this incredible story. Had you done any acting before that? At school. And I'd been in a couple of my dad's films, but had not made the cut, ultimately, of one of them, which was a good learning experience at a young age, you know. Also, if your own dad cooked, you shout something, you're <laughs> you like, know you oh, don't yeah, know this, this, yeah. this happens. Like yeah. a really bad dinner that <laughs> night. Well, you would tell yourself, and you're kind of like, oh, the director didn't like me. It was like, no, my director loves me, uh, and I still am cut out. Yeah, my parents thought it was so cool, and the next round was so cool, but don't think it's going to go. They have yeah. reasonable expectations. Yeah. And about a week later, I remember my mom, I was sitting in the car and we were about to go into town. She came out, she was crying. And I was like, oh my God, what's happened? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. She's like, Junior, you got the fucking part. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? I then learned sides and I went to an audition and it was the first experience of ever doing a kind of real audition in the real world with a real casting director and a real director where you have other actresses that are in before you and you can hear them doing yes. their audition first. Yeah, so yeah. you go in and you are 
so nervous oh, yeah. that I have no recollection of what happened in that room, and that happens quite often. <laughs> I still get nervous as hell every time I do an audition, actually. Me too. Never nervous on set. Are you nervous on set? Yeah, every day. You are nervous wow. on set? Every day. I love to hear that because I think most people are, but they feel like if they're at a certain level, they have to just be chill. I'm nervous every day, but I also think that's because I want to be great for the people I'm a scene partner to. You, you know, care. it's like you want to be on it enough to make the whole moment work because it's never just about you, right? So the nervousness is about everybody else in that room that have done extraordinary work. And then you walk into an amazing set that's lit in a certain way, which is a fucking privilege to walk into with cameras set up that are ready to capture what you're going to do with your partner or multiple partners, whatever the scene is. And you don't want to let anybody down. Yes. But can we have our first fight? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. A surgeon doesn't need to be nervous to go in and do an incredible job. And the stakes are very, very high. But I don't think it has to be is the point. Say that again. You said the surgeon doesn't have to be nervous. Right. And in fact... I would prefer the surgeon not be nervous. I don't think it would be advantageous for the surgeon to be nervous. It depends. But I think I have a bunch of stories I tell myself that is, oh, that's the fuel in my tank. And I'm pretty certain that's why I can sit down and write because I'm a pessimist and I think I'm going to be penniless. You know, all this story I have. And I'm just wondering, you're so spectacularly talented. No, I'm going to explain <laughs> no, my whole revelation with you. I've talked about you so much on the show in the last two months. And I feel blessed I didn't see Ted Lasso. So I'm just like, where the fuck did this human being? It's James McAvoy in Last King of Scotland. I'm like, what? Where's this guy? Uh, Ewan McGregor in Train Spotting. It's that moment for me with you. I can't believe you just put me in that group. <laughs> you are. You're you so are. fucking in that group. I'm not even going to accept <laughs> you denying that. But, you know, if you want to be nervous, that's great. What I can see quite clearly is you have a skill set that does not require that as fuel. But maybe it does. We don't know. What if it's part of the sauce? We shouldn't mess this with is what, what she's, she's saying. Doing. But I'm just wondering if it actually is a quintessential part of the sauce. In the same way that I question my own motivations for things. The story I tell myself of how I need to feel to perform in the best way. And sometimes I wonder, well, no, maybe I could just work from a place of happiness and I would get I the mean, same result. But I think the happiness for me is also part of every day at work, too. I love what I do yeah. so much. And I genuinely do not think I could do anything else. And I think it's something that, don't get me wrong, I'm definitely more method than I think I would like to really admit. Right. <laughs> I think it happens it without seems, what, me realizing. No, just that it's not something that I think about necessarily. It just starts to happen when you are really living with a character that you start bringing that into your life a little bit. But not fully, otherwise I think I'd be dead probably five times. But you got to let that character get under your skin a little bit. And to whatever extent it does, I think you can't help but have it affect how you go to the grocery store or how you sleep at night or how you kind of communicate with people. Just how you see people, I think, especially the character. And also sometimes how you may want to be seen. What an amazing role. Oh I still my. can't believe that she got Duh. to be a part of my universe. Yeah. Okay, let's go over there right now. Okay, so I don't know who you are. In retrospect, I do. As I'm learning about you today, I'm like, oh no, I totally remember you from Lovelace, but I don't connect those two things, right? There's definitely several I have seen you in. I had not seen Ted Lasso. And then I watched six episodes yesterday in anticipation of this. And I will thank you that you got me to watch the show because it's fucking good. I don't watch comedy much. I was terrified about the idea of joining a comedy because I am not known for comedic acting. Yeah, was that scary? Yeah, I thought Jason had texted the wrong actress. I was like, uh, <laughs> this is gonna be really awkward when you meant to recharge to a different actress in Los Feliz. Yeah, yeah. But he was so lovely about it and was like, well, please read it and then I'd love to talk to you about it. And then we went to, oh, what's the name of that restaurant in Los Feliz, Silver Lake area? Uh, all time. No, it's on Hyperion, right by 
the reservoir. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, down from like Virgil's or Lauren's no, or it's a person's name. Oh, no, I was going to say But further down, it's also a bar. Hyperion Public, Stella, Eleni, Eleni Oyster oh, Bar. Monica, you're asking the right person. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Elemento. Oh, God, this is going to drive me Speranza? nuts. Speranza? No. Oh, if you no. got it on the first one, Rob, I would kill you. <laughs> well, he's looking at a computer. Edendale? Yes. Oh, oh, sorry, that was Rock. good job. Edendale. Edendale's cute. And I had, yeah, of course. very cute. One of my best friends had turned 30 the same night. And so I was pretty dressed to the nines for a dinner and went to go meet him. And he was very low key in t shirts and board shorts. And I was like, well, howdy doodle. <laughs> like literally dressed to the nines to celebrate a friend's 30th. And we sat and talked about Keely Jones and where he thought her journey would go through potential of at least one season and then maybe one or two more. And I just was like, wow, she sounds so kick-ass. She sounds like such a girl's girl. And that's something that I would be honored to play. Immediately my favorite character as I'm watching it. I'm like, oh my God, here she is again. And my wife's like, fuck, this bitch can do it all, can't she? We were both just kind of marveling last night. But I prefer the order I saw it in because one thing, it's so much more fun for us in the States to learn someone's not American after you've already fallen <laughs> in love with them. Like the dude on Succession, oh, the tall my, guy, right? All of them on Succession. Yeah, basically. I'm like, what? I get to get more impressed. So I think if I had seen Ted Lasso first, I would have gone in already knowing. So for me to watch Dot and then to see how great the Minnesota yeah. accent is and then think that's a hard accent for many Americans. That whatever. accent is a fucking nightmare when you first start learning uh, it. I got to imagine there's an easy, like I could do it with you, like the cartoon version, you know? You'd be surprised how real the cartoon version is. Well, that is true. But what I was really thinking about is because you've been asked so much about the accent, I'm really resistant to even bring it up. The one thing I will say is I started learning it whilst I was still playing Keeley. So that was a quick turnaround. I wrapped Ted Lasso on a Friday, had Saturday to pack and had to be on a plane on a Sunday and then started Fargo Thursday that week. Oh my God. Yeah, that was quick. But it was good because it meant that I couldn't sit and grieve Keeley for too long. Actually, that fast switch was quite important, I think. Yeah. yeah. I'd argue as well, too, you didn't have too much time to stew and get nervous about the Minnesota of it all coming. My brothers had come and seen me a few weeks before in London. We were having dinner and I tried out the accent on them and they were like, <laughs> so how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> Textbook brothers. Oh, yeah. Pulling so, no punches. Yeah, but I think it's an accent that actually really helps with every single chapter that we've seen of Fargo so far and the movie when it comes to the element of comedy in these stories because the stories are not funny. No, yeah, it's the juxtaposition of this nice, 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 kind of funny and cartoony in a very graphic and bloody violent world. So it becomes a real part of your character that you don't have to think about that brings the lightness to it. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? Monica, what's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? I want to say I would write and read my New Year's resolution. Yeah, uh, I would too. That would yeah. be the same. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you so that you can make it a priority. And therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. 
Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp offers convenient, affordable online therapy that comes to you. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot DAX. We are supported by The Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for adventure. The iconic vehicle has been redefined with a thoroughly modern design. For a start, the exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender 110's legendary capability lets you go further and do more, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Its durability has been tested to the extreme. It can handle your equipment too, as the cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Explore with greater confidence with powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display, an award-winning infotainment system, and innovative camera technologies. Ready for a wide range of adventures? The Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. So the one question I do have about the accent, controlling your instrument while also screaming, I feel like is tricky. And then also when you're being very emotional in a scene, for me, those are the moments where it's so fucking key. I hone in on my real voice so I know it's real. And to not be able to find my own real voice because I'm in a fake voice, that to me would be the trickiest part of when doing the accent. And I'm curious, are those the more challenging zones or no? I stay in accent the whole time. So I'm practicing all the time because I'm an emotional roller coaster of a human. Okay, <laughs> And <right>. trust me, <laughs> I do that specifically for those moments where you don't want to trip up in a scene that's an important scene, whether you're angry, whether you're feeling sad, whether you're expressing something thing that yes is out of your kind of like everyday sort of vocal range because you don't want to have that moment I describe it as you know when you trip in public and you get that kind of hot rush through your body being like yeah. fuck I almost yeah. died but I'm okay don't worry about it whilst also being a little humiliated it's the same feeling when you fuck up an accent in a take and you don't know how to get out of it and you ruin the entire take because then you can't continue deeply embarrassing yeah you just feel embarrassed at the fact that you ruining this moment for everybody. Whereas if you stay in the accent and you get used to sometimes fucking up, it doesn't stop you from being able to continue a scene. You just continue. And then afterwards you go, I know I messed up that word. Can we do it again? So keeping in the accent for me makes it become second nature. So the whole time offset, you're speaking yeah. in it. Yeah. I remember when we were going from London to Calgary, trying the accent out in the airport. Because why not? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's a freebie. <laughs> I think it's important to test it out in places like that. When the accent clicks for you, the Minnesota accent, you don't really want to stop because then it becomes this musical rhythm that is so much fun. Yeah, you're like playing an instrument at yeah. that point. Yeah, and because it's also so affected by the weather and it was cold. 
in Calgary. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's one of my favorite places I've ever filmed, actually, I had the best time there and the crew was so kick-ass and just guided you through this kind of vortex of a snow globe that I'd never thought could be real whilst doing their jobs at the fucking highest level. I was so impressed by every department. When you're calling your fiancé, when you get off work and you call your fiancé... Oh, he came with me. I needed a hug at the end of some of those days. <laughs> oh, my God, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. So when you're coming home from work and you guys are having dinner together in wherever you're staying, you have Dot's voice. Yeah, but it would, as the night went on, start to become, so it'd be full Minnesota <laughs> and then start peppering in some English words and by the time I'd fall asleep, you were, you were I would be English. There would be the moments where it was half and half and that hybrid moment is definitely whack. <laughs> now, what is his reaction? He's so used to it now. So he's just plowing through, kind of just can ignore the fact that you're speaking in this Minnesota accent. I mean, sometimes he would try it with me, the Minnesota accent too. And he's from Poland originally, so that's a completely different kind of rhythmic situation. But also the rhythm of the accent really helps you with the dialogue, which is written for that rhythm so brilliantly by Noah Hawley. The way he puts phrases together make the accent easier and vice versa. So, I mean, I would run scenes all the time with my guy and if I would mess up the accent, it would mess up the rhythm. The whole thing would fall apart quickly. Yeah. Are you a Pisces? No, I'm a Cancer. Yeah, she's a J2C. She's oh. July 21st. Wow, that's a special club. Dax has a club. My soulmate, best friend since I was 11. He's July 2nd Cancer. I'm January 2nd Capricorn, J2C. Very, oh. very exclusive oh. club. And you almost made it. You almost made it. The uh -huh. very watery sign, also like Pisces, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Monica's yeah, in an some... astrological phase of her life. This Are is you? new. It's a thing that thing. people talk about. And it's an More interesting... in America. <laughs> More in LA, for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. This yeah. is new. Like, right, so far it's been cute. But I am wondering when it's going to tip into like most of her questions are about astrological. I just, if one day soon, I'm going to be able to nail everyone's. It's just going to take a little practice. Mm. And do you do all the like moon rising and things like that? I'm getting into it. You are getting into it? Because that can be a completely different sign, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. You have sun, moon. Dax is going to be really upset if we keep talking about this. But anyway. As long as we cancer veer into sense. Taylor Swift at some point, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> we can do 20 on Kristen her. Kristen is a cancer. She's a cancer. Yes. Oh, yeah? Yes, yes. Okay. I think cancers and Capricorns do very well mm -hmm. together. My youngest brother is a Capricorn. He's got the same day as you. January 2nd. <gasps> wow. No. J2C. Hold on a second. Your brother's birthday is January 2nd. My youngest brother. And guess what? He was also born on and the And he's millennium. the one who, he likes the Arthurian legends. That's the middle brother. Fuck. He's the one who's just moved to LA. He's millennial baby on January 2nd. Wow, that's knows, lucky. Would he agree it's the worst birthday on the calendar year? I mean, we make it more important than Christmas. That's nice. My issue isn't Christmas, and I hate to bore everyone because it was just my birthday, and I've already been talking about this a lot, but this is why. Fuck Christmas. That's fine. It is the fact that it is the day after New Year's. Everyone's already partied their asses off. They're hungover. They've quit everything, and then you're like, come to my birthday party. <laughs> they're like, great. I won't be able to eat or drink, and I don't want to be anywhere but my couch. Let's go. See, I'm kind of thrilled that I feel the opposite because to me, New Year's is kind of the celebration. I'm like, who cares? Who wants to start the new year off feeling shit? <laughs> so celebrating my brother's birthday the day after feels like a better way to start the year, personally. Yeah. Well, I like that. Yeah. You're a good sister. <laughs> I love my brother so much. That's um, so nice. Okay, so how does Noah Hawley, who you know we just interviewed. Oh yeah, this is Fargo week, by the way. We're doing a Fargo week on this show. I'm sure that was explained to you, right? We're so obsessed with it. We're going to do a whole week. So oh, I didn't gonna, know it was gonna, a whole week of oh, it. Oh yeah, we're adding more episodes just so we can have John on and you and Noah all in one week. Oh wow, does Because we're so obsessed. And by the way, Noah, I'm sure you could do 10 minutes on him, but the intellect is so fucking Don't. ridiculous. It's insane. And you see that with each chapter of this show. It's a quiet education in that time period of America, which is somewhat terrifying and also 
extraordinary to learn. And that is so interweaved in his writing. And that's one of the reasons that I loved all of Fargo is that you do get a quiet education from it. You're not realizing it. It's also the most deeply feminist show I've ever seen in my life, this particular season. season. It's always female-driven, but this one is really, really feminist in the greatest way possible. But how does Noah know, based on Ted Lasso, that you can be Dot? What's the process that ends with you joining that cast? I don't know how he knew that, but I got a phone call from my team saying... You know, he wants down? to talk to you about being in Fargo. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, the movie changed my life when I was a teenager. And I'd seen the first three chapters of Fargo. I remember the first one, I genuinely could not believe that had been done because it felt like an extraordinary continuation of the world of the original movie. And the performances, I was blown away. It embarrassed every movie of the year. It was extraordinary. And that switch of good and evil at the end, which you're like, oh my God, no, evil and evil. Yes. What the fuck? Blew my mind. And so I didn't expect that phone call. And then hopped on the phone with Noah and he said, well, I'm going to send you the first three episodes. So if you'll read them, then I would love to talk about it. And did he on that phone call tell you that he had come to you by way of Ted Lasso or was there something else he had seen you in that he was interested in? I think Ted Lasso was probably a part of it. I feel like that definitely opened a lot of doors for me because it was something that people watched because I've been acting for a really long time and most of the time nobody's seen anything <laughs> but these beautiful indie movies that I love, but they have a hard time getting all over the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you think it's preferable? Because I have the exact opposite experience you did, right? Which is like, I had auditioned for nine years, never got a thing, ended up on a reality show, punked, and then the next day I'm starring in three movies in a row. And it's like a light switch. And then there's a downhill slope from there. From my vantage point, I feel like I'd far prefer your situation when it's like, you working, 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 you're making a living, you're doing really good work. You've been in so many really, really good movies. And then all of a sudden, now the floodgates are just wide open. As you're saying, you've been doing it for a minute. Mm, I've been doing it for over half my life. Are you grateful that was the rollout? Oh, for sure. I think I would have probably died quite young. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise. Same. <laughs> yeah. I think also, I remember talking to someone about this not too long ago. I won an amazing award when I was in my 20s, the English kind of Oscars BAFTA, which was for a Rising Star Award. 2009, maybe? Something around that time. And I still am convinced that my younger brother made it happen. But it happened, and it was such a great thing to have in my life, and still at this moment, to be like, yeah, still rising. You just want to be able to do great work. You want to keep fighting and finding extraordinary females to play, and hopefully one or two people watch them because you care about them, and you want to live in their shoes for a while for a reason, and hopefully they will impact somebody else in some way. But I think I was never interested in being an actress because of fame and fortune. I don't know how that really can benefit an actor, really. I know it's part of the kind of journey sometimes, but actually I think you want to be a chameleon or a shapeshifter and you want to not always be recognizable and you want to really inhabit things that change how you walk around in the world and how people perceive you and vice versa. Yeah, it's just something that, like we talked about earlier, I've always been into living in a fantasy and now I get to do that somewhat for work. I'm not good at reality. <laughs> Only having known you for an hour, I can't imagine you will enjoy the increased attention. I'm not very good at like... I'm nervous about that part. Compliments. Yeah, I'm a somewhat private person. I think it was great in Fargo that I got to have such a different look and it was an extraordinary change from 
jumping straight from Ted Lasso where Keely Jones definitely isn't a little mouse of a woman. She's like a rainbow that you can't help but kind of see shoot into a room. She's very assertive. She's very competent. She's very yeah, street smart. But also smart. she dresses exactly like the way she presents herself with her personality. And I love that about her. She's like our version of Jersey Shore almost. Kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah. And has fun with it. Her outside presentation of herself also projects her inside presentation of herself today. She's feeling twinkly and pink. Tomorrow it'll be another version of twinkly and a different shade of pink. Then going to Dot, which was the polar opposite of you meet this woman and she doesn't really want to be seen by people other than her husband and her daughter, who mean more to her than I think words in any language I can find can explain. And she gets found. It's the last thing she wants. So thinking about that and thinking about how to play a woman who is really trying to blend in with the wall. Do you think it's fair to say like Keely is making herself big as possible and Dot's trying to make herself small as possible to not be discovered, to not be seen, to blend in? Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing that we do as humans, right? You have to learn when to take up space in a room and learn when not to. And that's a really amazing thing to watch people figure out, but also to start figuring out yourself, I think, and makes such a huge difference to a character when you figure out how much space they want to take up in a room. Right, like that can inform so much Everything. else. Your posture, the way you walk into the room, the way you sit, the way you make eye contact with people. How loud you talk. Everything. Yeah. Were you, when you were reading the first episode, were you having the same experience that us viewers were, where I was like, oh, there's a Jason Bourne element to this. <laughs> like, does she have amnesia? <laughs> were you having the like, how will this be explained, this crazy skill set she has at surviving? Or were you thinking more of the acting? I was completely floored by the first three scripts, which is what I got initially. They blew my mind. And this character, this woman, fascinated me and frightened me, which meant what a privilege to have her be a part of my life and that somebody believed that I could inhabit her. You know, I still am grateful to know her for that because she taught me so much. Well, this is weird because it's going to be out of order, so try not yeah. to give too much away about Noah's episode with us. But... He does say that each season of Fargo, there's a character who is experiencing a ton of denial. And for the other seasons, it's interesting because the denial is something they've done. They've participated in, inflicting. She's hit and run somebody and she's just not accepting she, she won't accept that. it exactly yeah. but in this season and again not to give too much away but that is not the case you're in denial of something that happened to you and it's so profound to watch this season i mean i think for everyone but especially as a woman there's domestic abuse flags at the end of each episode because it's so real this idea of suppressing your own trauma for your family or for the presentation or for survival. That's what it is for yeah. survival, right? You know, survivors of domestic abuse. This is something Noah and I talked about too very early on. You either get out of it or you don't. It doesn't have a kind of in-between. And it's definitely a form of survival to be able to compartmentalize. Yeah, have traumas that get buried deep. You don't know how they're going to come back out again, but they probably will if you don't work through Secrets them. Secrets do, right? Mm. But also she's a mother and she's a nurturer in a way that is a beautiful thing too. So it's this combination of the two and finding a way in scenes where she's being more kind of a warrior or a survivalist or a fighter 
finding the moments to also add the mother in there was really important and vice versa when she was being motherly and having moments where still as a mother she could frighten somebody. I've heard you and Noah talk about it, but this bouncing back and forth and even a scene like the epic gas station set piece. What a bit of filmmaking that is. By the way, the first night we filmed there, so we're out in the middle of nowhere and they've built this beautiful set and I'm looking at the sky with my fiance who was there with me that night actually and there was this kind of wild dancing going on in the clouds and I was like, that's weird. It kind of looks like a slightly green Hollywood movie premiere shooting through the clouds. It was the fucking Northern Lights. I heard this too. And the whole production shut down all the lights and we watched it for a second. Is that the first time you had seen it? Yes, and then later in the shoot, they were above my house when I came home and they were real bright. They were banging. Amazing. So I've only seen them once. They were in Detroit one time when I was in high school. My first thought was, holy shit, that's nuclear radiation. Like something bad has happened. It's so supernatural. <laughs> Did you immediately know it was the Northern Lights? Or you were like, no. what the what? fuck My fiance joked there? about it. He was like, maybe it's the Northern Lights. And then literally someone was like, can you see the Northern Lights? I was like, what is <laughs> happening? So cool. It was wild. Did you know that when you get close enough to them, they make sounds? <gasps> I heard you say this and I have the same skepticism Kimmel had. It's true. What is the sound Wind like? chimes. No. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I'm going to Scandinavia this summer. It's supposed to be an incredibly powerful year for Northern Lights, and I'm going to have my ears at full attention. Please, let me know. I want to know what that sounds like, because to me, that would be really spooky. I don't understand how that works, uh, my understanding of physics, Physics but but I'm open to it. I'm not shutting it down. It's about the electromagnetic field, right? And so when you think of electricity... Crackling? And the power of even just sometimes going through a wire, you can hear it a little bit. So imagine Mm. that in the fucking clouds. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like both beautiful and ominous. Yeah. It does feel like it's the last thing you're going to see before you die. <laughs> like, oh my God, what is this thing yeah. that's happening? I interrupted myself. So yes, back in that gas station scene, and this happened on the day, which I think is interesting. Tourniquet. The tourniquet. So that's not written that she's going to be a mother in that scene. She's mm. just going to survive. But then there's this moment of mothering and we're learning, and I've heard both of you say this, but that Dot's real superpower is her kindness and... That's just not lip service. The way the season wraps up is so... Mm, Beautiful. It's so satisfying. It's almost more Fargo than Fargo has ever been, right? Yeah. It was the idea of truly allowing forgiveness and offering it to somebody in a meal. Yes. It's such a beautiful thought. And instead of engaging him with might, engaging him with love, and that would be the only thing that could destroy him if we would just say the version of him we're afraid of. And it's so true, the kill him with kindness thing. Yeah, and it's like this Minnesota nice is a veneer, but then there's real nice. And you see that with the family, and that's a whole sequence where they are not letting him get to the dock place he wants to. And Mm -hmm. little Scotty does it. Wayne does it. I mean, the two of them were so beautiful throughout this season. David, who plays Wayne, I think is... He was such... And also, he's such a magic human. And he was somebody that we talked about. I was like, we have definitely helped each other through some shit in a past life. (laughs) He became really, really, really important friend of mine. And he was like a safe word almost for me. And, you know, for the last few episodes of this chapter of Fargo, I wasn't with my family. And so I missed them. Yeah. (laughs) And that was real. It was a genuine, wow, I miss David and Sienna. Yeah. (laughs) How many months did it take to shoot that? October through March. Okay. So like six months. Five, six months. Yeah. And having come from movies and done, I guess it's Four years on Lasso? Three? Three. How do you like being on something that long? I've done a few limited series before. 
Lasso was the first time I'd ever returned to a character. There was a moment where I thought that was going to happen on this show that I did on HBO called Vinyl. I was so excited. Mick Jagger, Scorsese. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Best rock star, best director. Let's go. Martin Scorsese was another person that I hope everybody gets a moment to say hi to him because he's one of the kindest, most interested humans I've ever met. We were just interviewing Rob Reiner, who by all accounts is one of the greatest directors yeah. to ever live. Mm. And he's talking about being in a scene on Wolf of Wall Street in in like a giddy fashion, getting to see this guy work. And I'm like, yeah, even Rob Reiner's like dying to see how Martin Scorsese yeah. works. And he's giddy when he's working, Marty. You hear him laughing, <laughs> drink takes and stuff on the monitor. Oh, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, when he comes to give you a note, a piece of direction, it's always very quiet. And I love that. Because some of the best things people can say are said quietly. And I think that's a really amazing way to direct. Jamie Viner would have loved to play more of her more time period but you know everything happens for a reason and Keely coming back to her I was kind of nervous to come back to a character I didn't know what that was going to mean I didn't know what that was going to feel like and then you know it was as the world shut down it was this crazy time in history and she became like a fucking best friend she was so gorgeous to get to live with during that time because I think yeah of a all lot the of us went be dark playing, dude yeah. during that time if you had and to play was... dot during COVID <laughs> you might not be sitting there oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I think she really taught me about kindness to yourself I needed that reminder to be honest with you. And so she was a gift to come back to. Did you have the moment, I had this, again, forgive me, audience, I've said it a bunch of times, but <laughs> I was on a show for six years and I had a moment in season two where I came home and I told my wife, I'm like, I think I suck now. And she goes, oh no, what's happening is it's effortless for you to play them now and you feel like you're doing nothing, but you're actually getting better. But that was a weird Moment. I was so used to just going to a movie, trying to get that thing right and then it's over in three months and then you move on. Did you have that at all with... Keely? I think it was more about the kind of comedy side of it. I don't know if I ever quite felt that I was doing great or not. It was just like trying always. But often any of the comedic moments with Keely, it's because I genuinely don't understand the joke. So <laughs> yeah. it, no, 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 it's really true. Like at the beginning of season two, there's a beat where Richmond lose to a team and they send food. Oh no, they tie. Still getting the joke wrong. And then they send Thai food and they cut to my oh. close up. And the director was like, do you think maybe you'd find it funny? I was like, why? genuinely didn't understand and right. they were like that's perfect we're gonna keep that and it wasn't until I saw it that I was like oh my god <laughs> often that would be the case and uh -huh. Jason just wouldn't necessarily correct it because that's what made her funny and genuine and you know there would be moments where like it was a breakup sequence and I was like I don't understand how to make that funny I'm really sorry I don't yeah. I know the comic timing of that but there was a great moment in season three where it was a simple scene that I was doing with the dreamboat, Hannah Waddingham, which if you haven't had her on the show, you should, because she is one of the most extraordinary women you'll ever meet. I love her. Is she the owner of the team? Yeah. My wife was just telling me last night that she's like an incredible singer, which I didn't know. Extraordinary. She had a Christmas special. Yeah. Oh, wow. What the fuck? One of my best friends had a Christmas special on Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a big deal. So cool. It was crazy. But Jason came in after one of the takes and was like, just so you know, you just nailed comic timing. I was like... What? And it was something to do with the way I'd said a sentence, then put a cup down. There was some kind of boom, boom. And yes. I was like, dude, now you've said that. I'll never fucking get it again. And I didn't. It was a one-time wonder. <laughs> but it was there for a few seconds. So that was something that became easier for me, the idea of comedy being something that was 
not necessarily something you had to think about. You could just absolutely play it how you would. I would argue that my least favorite comedy is when the people are in on the joke. You have to trick yourself to not be in on the joke. But I was turning up to a job that was a lot of comedians and also people from musical theater. They understand how to really fill a room with joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas I'm all about really tiny things. And I've played a lot of characters that are trying to find joy. So I was like a moth drawn to light in those rooms, but at the same time was terrified of being part of the, the moth team, you know? <laughs> but luckily, everyone was so patient with me because I would ask a lot of questions about it. And then Jason said to me, but I cast you because you're a real actress and that you don't understand that. And that's something that I think is really important. Yeah, and you character. just have to trust that they mean that. And he did a great thing with that on that show where I think anybody you ask on that show would tell you that they didn't think that they could necessarily play the character that they were playing, other than Brett, who figured that out in the writer's room. But Jason, finding the people that he did for that show, all of them were like, would never have cast me in that. And what a fucking extraordinary thing that you did. You yeah. know? Yeah. How did you feel? I assume that show came with a big loss of anonymity. It did also somewhat because quite a lot of the wardrobe in it is mine and stuff. We had a lot of fun creating that character and lots of the things were things that I maybe wouldn't have the confidence to wear in my real life and so Keely would, which was a great thing too. And a lot of the fake ponytails and things, I can fuck with a lot of that stuff. I love it. Uh -huh. And pink is a very important color to me and has been since I was a little girl. So I gave a lot of my quirky style choices and it means that I became more recognizable as myself with that character. I think she's the most like myself looking part I've played. That coupled with the huge success of the show, I'm imagining more and more you are out and I imagine you're a people watcher and you're sensing people are watching you. I sometimes am shocked if I'm like walking around Portobello Market in London, that's just where I've been staying before Christmas and someone comes up and they're like, oh my God, Keely, can I take a selfie? That never quite gets normal because firstly you're like, actually I'm Juno, but yeah. yeah. Does it scare you? Sometimes it does, but it depends on what it is, right? Sometimes I've had extraordinary conversations, especially with young women who've stopped me and want to talk about Keely. I want to talk about why she meant something to them. And I have all the time in the world for that. I'll totally talk back about why she meant something to me and, you know, the yeah. friendships that I made. And I think that's a privilege to have people talk to you about characters that either they've hated, they've loved, they would like to know more about. I would love that. But when somebody just wants to take a selfie with a character, then that's something that I Instagram. don't quite know what to do with. I'm not very good at social media in general. In fact, I'm terrible at it. Do you have an account? I do. I'm not very good at it. Yeah, I've never. Me I'm good at eBay on my phone and that's yeah. kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> and also that is an interesting experience. And I'm sure you understand this too, of being in somebody's living room on a TV show is a very different reaction to being in a movie. Yeah, people watch you in their underwear, quite literally. They feel like they're friends with you yeah, because yeah. That you're in their home, which is a beautiful thing, but sometimes it is jarring. And I don't want to pry too much, but your just general disposition, how would you describe it? Because you said, I would have been dead. That's a clue. <laughs> yeah, you said you're very emotional. I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm an actress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're a cancer. My general disposition is... I feel happy to be alive a lot of the time, but in the sense of, like you said, people watching, looking at the world, seeing what the sky is doing today and listening to the sounds of the animals that are around your house and things like that. I think it's really important to try and pay attention to those things. Do you have a good deal of anxiety? Definitely. Here's my thought. I don't know you enough to say this, but I imagine when you are on a job and you're tackling something as all-encompassing as Dot, there's probably a lot of freedom in that period because there's something to hyper-focus on. And then when you step away and you're in between things, 
I just wonder if anxiety resumes. Definitely. Is it okay that I ask you that? Yeah, I think anxiety is a great thing to talk about because I think a lot of people... I've learned recently that they suffer from it. I've known for a little while. It's something that's real, you know, and it can be debilitating sometimes. I find that for me, being creative is really important. So I make jewelry at home. I also sew. Do you have like a smelter and shit? I wish, but I have a whole jewelry making kit and I like to take apart lots of old different pieces of jewelry and re-put them together. And I like to make necklaces for people. And I love vintage things. I love things that have a story. And I also have a sewing machine, which I find that to be such a meditative, great thing to do. And I like doing alterations on my own clothes and stuff. Can I be honest? You've accomplished, I think, your goal because you sound just like one of my little girls. Really? Yes. This is all the things that they're doing. And drawing. Sometimes I write angsty poetry. Yeah. <laughs> and I watch a lot of movies. For them, the world is scary. They're tiny in it. They're very, very tiny. I feel like that too. Yeah. It's a big world. Uh, you lots wear of lips look. on your shoes. <laughs> yeah. To try and get closer to, <laughs> to being able to see the view. Yeah. But movies have always been a safe place to go. And they take you to places. This is a kind of weird thing about me. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is what puts me to sleep. <laughs> or like oh. it. This is not weird. And we happen to know a lot about this because Monica too has a lot of anxiety. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm talking out of school. I'm an addict, by the way. This is kind of what we love talking about. And we learned this. So Monica, during COVID, was watching the movie Contagion over and over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. She saw it like 20 times I did that COVID. in the first week too. Right? <laughs> Same movie. Contagion was a yeah. great one. And then also Outbreak. Yeah, you Wonderful. just like checked off all we the We were suddenly like, oh shit, I want to watch all those movies again, just in case. You never know. And what we learned after the fact was people with anxiety like watching the same movie over and over again because it's scary, but they know how it ends. It's very comforting to know how Mm. it ends. Mm -hmm. Because like even when you're in it and like you're feeling the feelings of like, oh God, this is so bad. You know it's going to be okay. And that's what anxiety is. Exactly. Because anxiety is not knowing how something's going to Because I find for me that horror movies specifically are something that I will watch. And I want to watch new ones all the time, but I want to be frightened. Like I'm looking for that real fear factor. It's a control thing. And also you're in your home, you're in a safe place. I've got a gorgeous fiance that would definitely kick anybody's (laughs) ass that tried to break in. I'll handle demon shit because I know about that stuff. But I think (laughs) (laughs) that's all. You'll be sprinkling like flour around the door cracks. And shit, like what kind of stuff? What's in your uh, <laughs> yeah, toolkit? Like, no, I've just watched so many of these movies oh, yeah. that I feel like that's the thing I would have to offer myself. Step aside, on, like uh, yeah, I think I'll, an exorcism is called for right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that. But me and one of my best girlfriends have watched a lot of horror films together. They weirdly give me a sense of calm, whereas I find that sleep is difficult for me. I'm a real nocturnal animal and I find it difficult to shut my brain off, right? And so one of my favorite films of all time is Thelma and Louise. And so often I think, you know what, I'm going to put on Thelma and Louise, I'm going to go to bed. And then I get distracted. I'll go and get my sketchbook or I'll be looking up a specific vintage piece of clothing on eBay and I get down a wormhole and I miss a little bit of the movie. So then the movie finishes and I'm like, well, I'm going to fucking start it again. And then I'm guilty of watching Thelma and Louise three times in one night because I need to finish it. Yes, I've done it. Yeah, whereas that doesn't happen so much with a horror. I mean, it can happen with the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which (laughs) I think is a flawless, (laughs) flawless movie. I just think it's brilliant. Any self-medicating to Um, deal with any of that? Yeah, that's happened in the past. Yeah. Not anymore. I'm a chain smoker. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I had a hunch. Do you know I felt it? That was almost going to be one of my questions. Do you bang darts? Because I just feel <laughs> it when I look at it you. It also I'm feels like, British. Sure. Like a, a little bit, right? But there's, I'm going to put you in a camp that you're not going to like because you hate compliments. But <laughs> <laughs> I have known a few insanely gifted actors in real life. I'll add the one I can say because he's passed is Heath Ledger, where. The weight of the world was very palpable and visceral and most certainly connected to the level of brilliance that he was able to achieve on screen. 
And I very much feel that about you. Like I have this impulse to walk next to you and make sure nothing happens. <laughs> 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 I want to protect you so that you can work and live in a creative bubble. <laughs> but also I have a slight hunch that the weight of the world is sometimes heavy mm. on your shoulders. Yeah, I think that's a true statement. And I think at the same time, I should be so lucky, right? It's like to feel those well, things. Well, if you, you can embrace can it, yeah, yeah. If you have the wherewithal. Like for me, I'm so grateful I'm an addict. Everything that's great about me is the other side of the coin that's an addict. Like I'm compulsive. I think of things. I get obsessed with things. I endlessly pursue things. And does that go into your work a lot? Do you find that that energy goes into that? Yeah. I mean, I know how many people live in your town. So yeah, that's on full <laughs> display. And I am very much at peace with it. I'm also 49. You're 34. So I'm Ugh, very much let's like- say I'm 31. 30, okay, <laughs> no, great. I can't handle it if you're Monica 31. jump out of the window. So absolutely not. And then go watch. What's a movie where people jump off the top of a, something? Or um, The Jinx. I go keep watching The Jinx Go watch The Jinx. He has a mother jumped off the roof. Yeah. Ooh, and he watched. The TV. The Did you see that? The docudrama? The Burps. Yes. 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 Beverly is spelt the same. Oh, God. Robert Talk Durst. Talk about scary. Oh. This is a weird perverse reaction I had to that. I wanted to take him in. Did you? You did. I did. I felt this weird love for him. Uh -huh. He's a monster. I get it. But the childhood, the weird family, the billionaires, the no love, the no attachment. I was like, look at this little Kermit the Frog. I kind of want to bring him in and just hope he doesn't murder me while I'm sleeping. You wanted to fix him. I wanted to protect him. I know. And also fix. He could be the same freak he was. Just you no killing. You would never let him in No killing, house. Bob. Okay, no killing. <laughs> There's only one house rule, Robert. Robert. No killing. <laughs> He'll want to not kill, but he will. Did you like him at all? I wanted to hug him. That's a weird I reaction. I think I was more fascinated by him. Yeah. He is Psychologically. so fascinating. I think brains are extraordinary and all the different chemical reactions that can happen in brains. And sometimes when you lack certain chemicals that you need and what that creates. And also it's such an important thing to talk about mental health and what it means and what people are going through. Because I find in America, a lot of people have a certain idea of what schizophrenia means or of what bipolar means or psychosis, these kinds of things. And until we talk about it, people are going to be fearful of it because they have a presumed idea. And actually it doesn't have to be scary. It's about learning and it's about hanging out with people that are going through that stuff, not being afraid to talk to them about it and ask them how they're doing. And I would suggest it's only labeled as a pathology. It's only labeled as a burden. And I think there's some power in me going like, no, 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 I would never take away being an addict. I fucking love it. So similarly, and it sounds like that's how you feel about it is, but then I get this incredibly beautiful experience that some people don't get to have and I'll take it. I'm okay with that trade-off. It can be a double-edged sword, right? Because some days it's a lot and it's some days it's really, really special. And I think that's something that I don't know if I'll ever be able to figure out completely a balance or, or understanding it or controlling the power that that could bring. But I feel like as life goes on, I'll keep trying. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert if you dare. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Thank you. 
I think a lot of people are at home feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling all the downside and perhaps they haven't opened up their mind to what the superpower that is joined to it. Well, it's having that kind of empathy. I think when you project that out, it is extraordinary because people talk to you about their life and people talk to you about their emotions. And I think that's a real privilege to have people open up to you about things. Well, and you have just taken on probably one of the heavier things that people will connect with you about. And people are going to come up to you who have been in abusive relationships and you're going to have been the voice for them. Also, I want to be able to talk to anybody that has experienced that because I learned so much in playing Dot, just being on a set, how many people have experienced domestic abuse. Yeah, I was also really proud of our production and how we handled shooting that stuff. I think it's episode eight. There's a sequence with Dot and Roy Tillman in an abattoir that was not an easy day to shoot. And the production had it be a closed set, which I think is really important. And also people that didn't want to come to work that day didn't have to. And they also had a therapist in a little double banger outside that was completely confidential because you never know who might be triggered ever. And we are in a place of making things that we put out in the world that we want people to feel like they can talk about and feel less alone, right? Yeah, you want to see them, Yeah, not and that them. starts from making it a safe place from While the you're making it, mm-hmm. yeah. I imagine you're learning so much. So I watched my mother get beat. It was horrendous. We talked so openly, but I interviewed her on here. And it's wild to me. This was never a question I asked her, but it felt mandatory while being an interviewer. I was like, it's hard for me to make peace with the fact that you are such a gangster. She built a business. She raised three kids on her own. She's a bad motherfucker. I'm like, it doesn't match with you having been in this abusive relationship. How is it that these are so disconnected? And she said, I had such shame about my first marriage failing with your dad. And this was so immediately after. The shame of having to admit I fucked it up again seemed more painful than the other thing. And I was like, oh my God, like I wouldn't have ever even thought of that as being why you'd be in it. And I'm sure there's a million different reasons someone finds themselves in that situation. Trapped, yeah. I'm sure there are too. And I've heard some of them. And I think Dot had her own storyline with that. It was something that made her so interesting to play because of the different levels of experience that she's had. And I loved her so much. And I had so much respect for her as I learned about where she'd been. No, it's so gangster. It's such a profoundly beautiful experience to have people open up to you. And also, I'm very protective with people's information. I'm not interested in any of that kind of stuff too. So I really think it's a privilege to have people open up their insides to you and say like, here it is. Here's mine too, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You feel an obligation, don't you, to match the vulnerability? It feels like an honor actually to me to be able to talk about things that are real with people because I do care about that a lot. Well, the show's also, I think one thing that maybe might not get talked about so much is because of her experience, the new relationship, Dot and Wayne, in the first scene or two, I mean, you kind of think, oh my God, he's such a dud. Right? Sure. Like I didn't. Like, well, well, no, because, but you already but knew where you came from. Of course. But he's also a man who is kind. Well, and there exactly. is nothing dirty about that. If you think about what this woman has been through, and then you think about what it must have been to have a daughter with her. Yeah. Can you imagine that experience? And what that I man know. must have done? And what he must have held her through while she didn't talk to him about exactly. it. Exactly. Yes. But he Giving knew. birth to a little girl. That would have been a really 
complicated experience. Yeah. And to love her through that and not push why this is so difficult or why this might be traumatic, but to just love her and be there for her. Not try to fix, not I try to I think makes the man a fucking hero. No, it does. <laughs> That's my whole thing. It's like you meet him and you're like, what? This well, guy, so- and he has this rich mom and like, Bleh. And then, yes, by the end of the show, he's the perfect person because he's just taking care. You see also in that moment where he's at the car dealership and he owns his job and his position at work and his kindness at the same time. And you see how fucking great that moment is where he's like, this is my dealership, but yeah, I want to switch out a car for a car. They seem like a lovely family. Yeah, he has immense integrity. Yeah, truly. But he does meet you as an Aw Shucks G. Williker character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're a very dynamic one, and we're getting a sense that you're Jason Bourne, so we're like, wow, she went with a real G-rated partner. But yes, when you've experienced the opposite of that, those qualities, as they should always be, but they're not, those qualities become extra important and extra valued. There's so much sweet mother stuff too, because there's, as I interpret it, I'm sure you have a different one, but for me, I was so excited to be a dad because I didn't have one around. I am nurturing me by getting to be the person I had hoped I would get. It's very healing. And I see that very much with Dot. Dot's raising this little girl and giving her what she deserved. I think she's always wanted that relationship, right? She yes. wanted to share that. The mother and mother kinship that you have is a really profound one, especially when you're younger, growing up with your mom is something that's so, I mean, it can be volatile, but it's also where you learn a lot of things. And Lorraine not allowing that relationship for Dot always keeps her in a certain distance. Well, and I just think it's so precise and well executed that the moment we see you cry is when she says, no daughter of mine mm-hmm. is oh, gonna- that part. That I don't wanna give me. it away too much, but yeah, it's, it's so- <laughs> But I'm like, oh my God, it's so masterful that that's when we got to see the emotion we were wondering where it was at. Which Noah really guided me through because I had moments where I found it difficult to not be emotional about some of the things that were happening. Yes, of course. Or some of the things that were being said in different scenes. You know, you just have moments where it's like, wow. And Noah would be like, not yet. Can't cry yet. We're not there yet. Not yet. And that was really important. I'm such a director's actor. Like, I want direction. I love it. And I love the relationship between an actor and a director. It's kind of like a therapist and a patient. But I can also take direction very literally. So I remember one time, it's in the first episode, he wanted me to kick a bag of ice. Under the stall of the toilet. Exactly. And he was like, let's see your football skills. So I kicked that bag of ice like I would a football. (laughs) And that shit went flying. (laughs) He was like, wow, you did that literally. I was like, that's what you asked for. (laughs) You're punting it. So I can be like a child like that too. But yeah, his guidance in when to hold back the full emotions with Dot was so important. To have the faith in knowing the trust. I mean, wouldn't you? (laughs) Well, I have my own issues, so no, no. (laughs) It's very hard for me to believe someone more than I believe myself. As a rule of thumb, With my childhood? No, I don't believe you more than me. I'll never believe someone more than me. It's all whatever childhood you had, I think. That's what makes me difficult. But I think it was also this thing that we talked about from early on of it being quite important for her to be able to hold emotions kind of together, I guess is the best way to put it. Because it's not that she's necessarily always holding them in, is that she's 
almost swallowing them, right? She doesn't even know yet. Her mind hasn't caught up. Well, it's I also think. that she can't let it come out. Because if it does, then it's going to be a different situation. And so there would just be certain scenes where I would go into it being like, I know that this is going to be emotional. The sequence where I go in to see Wayne again in the hospital and I leave him in the bathroom. I knew saying goodbye to him and the way he says, I love you three, was going to break me. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah, yeah, I knew yeah, it. Yeah, yes. And so on the first take, it fucking broke me and I wept like a baby. <laughs> but then you just know <laughs> you got that's out of your not system. the one that we're going to use. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Again, you have to respect that that is something that you find emotional, but that dot wouldn't release. And that's who you are at that moment. You're a dot. So if you need to release it, let it out. Yeah. And then rein it in. Let's get Juno off the table. Let's let yeah. her have her take. Yeah. That moment actually was an emotional moment in my experience of shooting it for both of them. Like for Juno, reading it on the page, I was like... Oh, but then for Dot and saying well, also the that real, loves her that much. The acknowledgement that your past, which you have not told him about, has now come to harm him is like the ultimate heartbreak. And her protection mechanism that was supposed to keep people out, but also stop people from trying to pry in too, almost killed him. Exactly. And that is something that I think in the moment she can't think about that too much because then she won't do what she needs to do because ultimately she's got to kill a monster. Oof. My God, it's so good. You're on like one of the best seasons of television ever made. I guess I'm excited because I just feel like you'll be able to do most of just what you want to do now. I feel like this is such an opening of the gates and you'll get to talk to the people you want to work with and you'll get to read every I script. Hope. And I think you deserve it and I'm really excited to watch it all. Thank you. I'm really happy you made time for us and squoze us in. <laughs> My very last question has nothing to do with any of this, but do you happen to be friends with Mae Whitman? I know Mae for a long time, but I haven't seen her in years. Yeah, me either. And she's one of my favorite human beings in the world. And she was on the show. I was on for six years together. And it just occurred to me. Yeah. You guys must have been We in definitely crossed paths. She's a lovely human. She is so special. Yeah. All also, right. wait, I want to add a oh. Mara Rosak. Love I love Mara. her. I literally today, I washed my hair. It's been a minute. And I've got all of her products <laughs> in my hair. It's the greatest. It's called Rose. Yes, right? Rose. We're going to shout out Rose. Yeah. Saved my hair. Yes. And she does your hair for Everything. all the events. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it always look perfect. She's a genius. I'm glad you wore it curly because I don't get to see it curly. And then I saw in an interview you said I have incredibly curly hair. And yes. I'm like, I'm dying to see it. This yeah, is Carrie's so hair. gorgeous. By the way, Monica. Like Afro-y. Cotton love candy it. spirals. Totally. <laughs> all right. Well, Juno, so fun to meet you. And and then please come back when you're promoting what will be, I'm sure, many other movies and projects. Maybe even Venom 3. Fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you. Next up is the fact check. I don't even care about facts. I just want to get in your pants. Big day, Monica Padman. Hi. We just did an episode, and this is the fact check for that episode. Again, not common for us. No. Maybe, what, five times? Probably sub five. Over, under, on five is under for you, you're betting. That's right. Uh, but again, when this happens, there's no facts. I tried to, I was like, is there anything that you I You can check, need uh, to check? The, the population of her town. You know, this is the kind of thing you would normally check. Well, uh, you're right. Popula what she's was the from T-A-U-N-T-O-N, uh, Taunton, comma, Somerset. S-O-M-E-R-S-E-T. All right. We're looking at um, 61,674. Is that on Wikipedia? Nope. It's on Okay. something. Wikipedia has it at 64. I'm going to... Well, this was 2021. 
Okay. Well, it's the Goodwood Festival of Speed in Chichester. And where? Like, how close is that to? Two and a half hours. Oh, okay, so not even close. I, for some reason, thought that was in the southwest of England, too. What was? <laughs> the Goodwood Festival. It's like the coolest car show ever. Oh. It's a retro racetrack that they shut down years ago, but once a year they have this... And it's all like 60s race cars, famous 80s Formula One cars, oh, really fun. weird one-offs. It's a very bizarre, fun carnival of um, really, you'd love it. It's like crazy classy. It's like a polo event <gasps> for cars. It's like Wimbledon. There's not a car out there that's under a million dollars on the track. Wow. Goodwood Revival. Goodwood or Win? I always get confused. It's Goodwood. Goodwood. That's a, that guy gave me some Goodwood. That's yeah, something you could say. It is. I feel like the name doesn't match the regalness. The royality of yeah, it? Yeah. It's too pervy. Goodwood. No, that does sound like an American festival in um, Milwaukee, yeah, Wisconsin. Goodwood. goodwood. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Minnesota nice. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Fargo Week Fact Checks. Yes, they're going to come hot and fast. <laughs> for us, for them. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, they're going to. Tomorrow, you're, you're going to get a tasty episode. Get a brand new episode tomorrow. Big old episode. And Thursday. Yeah, and we are, we're in a very accelerated process. We are. Because we've been fighting really hard to make a Fargo Week. Yeah. And it's all been last minute that people have agreed uh, we fought hard and we we succeeded. So you, I'm delighted, but the turnarounds are crazy. You did a personal reach out that was very good. Hard for me. It was hard. Well, yeah, so thank you. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I've been thinking this a lot lately because, and I was starting to make a list, like, whatever, an hour ago, of the reach out. Like I I re- I have like at least 5 reach outs a day. Mm-hmm. At least. And sometimes it's like a huge blast of a lot more. Yeah. And for the past 6 years this is like this and most of the time it's no's until uh, obviously at some point they'll circle back. Like it all ends up working out. All these people that say no, they eventually come on when they it makes sense for everybody. Yeah. It's not personal, right? But Depending on where my own mindset is, yeah. I can really That's let key. it get personal. It's all about where my head is. Yeah, same, um, same. And I can get personal and not just personal. I'm just like, how many more no's can I take? <laughs> it was like being an actor all over that again. It, that's what I was thinking the other day. I was like, <laughs> I thought I escaped this, <laughs> yeah, the this life of no's. Mm-hmm. And here we are again, yet also maybe that prepared me for this. So that's mm. good. I just keep checking back in. Yeah. Keep checking. I'm here. Yeah. Still here. It's all learning lessons. Um, oh, I will say, I don't think I've ever, well, I know I've never, and maybe I even mentioned on a previous fact check, but I've never casually mentioned I haven't seen a show and had so many people scream at me, how could you not be watching this show? Other than Ted Lasso. Oh, Like I, I had mentioned I didn't watch it in some previous episode. And people were like, what is wrong? Like, it was interesting. It had this similar, it's probably just me being sensitive and defensive. It, it was almost like, why wouldn't you be? Not just like it's a coincidence I haven't seen it. All that to say, I watched it for Juno. Yeah. And I watched it with the girls and they immediately loved it. And we had an incredible time watching it. Yeah. And we plowed through six episodes and like, we're all excited to watch it again as a family. Oh yeah, I mean- I know so many people who just are obsessed with everyone. Yes, is. Clearly. I mean, it's huge. My explanation is like comedy. I just generally, I'm very rare I'm going to check out a half hour comedy. Yeah. 
Okay, so we d- we've done this week out of order, just FYI, BTS. So we recorded Noah last week. Or, oh, who will be on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. We recorded <laughs> That's someone. That's okay. It's fucking Fargo week. The expert's going to be Noah. That's yeah, right. yeah. We're, we're, already, we, we're already spoiling. We're saying this whole week's going to be Fargo. We also said it in her episode. We said, that'll be on Thursday. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. So I think yeah, it's fine. Right. Yeah, it's a little late. Cat's out of the bag. Horse is out of the barn. Yes. Noah Holly is on Thursday. We did that earlier. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I had not seen the show. At all? I, no, I thought you were halfway through. No, I don't think you were. No, None started. of us had seen the finale. I hadn't started. Really? Yes. Oh, don't um, you want to go back in time now a little bit? No. Oh. I I hadn't seen it, and it made me excited to see it. I already was excited because everyone had been talking about her. But then when he came on, I, it really got me excited to see it. And so then I, I binged it so fast. I watched, yes, yeah. I finished it before you. I yeah, was done. you did. You started way, it was like you gave me a head start. You gave me like a month and a half head start and then you blasted by me. I feel like fine. you were on episode eight. And when I, you started. I started and yeah, then I finished. I was on the second to last episode. Because when he was here, it was the, the day, or you know, three days before the finale. Yeah. Well, and then I didn't watch it because I was in the dunes. Yeah. And then I watched it Sunday night. I watched it so fast. I loved it. I thought it was very powerful. But I will say, and this is why we do this, and I think it could sound like a cop-out, and sometimes I wonder if it's a cop-out. Normally, when we do these shows, you obviously have seen the movies, the shows. Mm-hmm. You come in with pre-existing knowledge. I don't. Right. And it's kind of like, I don't, so I can be the audience. It's really true because— by the time I edited him, I've edited him, yeah. I had seen it. And then I was getting in my head. Oh, you were confused about what the layperson would know. Yes, yeah, yeah. I couldn't. It was <laughs> yeah. very hard couldn't for juggle. me to do. And now we've had Juno and I have seen all of it. And it did cross my mind as we were interviewing her. I should have waited. You've lost all perspective. I really have. <laughs> and I know we got a little nitty gritty. We so did. You're going to have to trim. trim I will. Trim. It's just like. Yeah. There is a reason yeah. that I don't, and I think it's smart that I don't. <laughs> because yes. if the point is to get people excited, yes, and when I, it's well, so I esoteric. read so many comments uh, that I'm delighted to have read from people who had no idea who Dave Bird was, yeah, and went immediately started watching the show and loved it. Yeah, I hope people really watch this show and watch this season because the storyline is very powerful. Yeah, it's also. Um, and I'm going to add the antidote to that because you could listen to what we just talked about because it is heavy and important and impactful and think it's just some kind of lecture on domestic. It's also just a kick-ass action se- season. Yeah. It's like so- It is, but it's- so much It twisty. wouldn't be interesting to me if it was just that. No, I know, but we've already, uh, like, I think we've done a good job uh, explaining the importance and the and the weight of the project. I also want to add, it's a fucking blast of a shoot 'em up show. Yeah, it is. And like Home Alone style oh stuff. Oh my God, there was so yeah. much Home Alone, <laughs> I, which I loved. I loved. Um, yeah, I love Home Alone. Yeah, it's one of your faves. So One of your all-time faves. It is. It is. Is there anything else facts? I had two two more facts. Okay. Oh, so she won her BAFTA Rising Star Award in 2013. Okay. okay. Four years off on that. Okay. 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and movies where people jump out of windows. Oh, great. Thank you. So we've got oh. The Exorcist. 
Okay. Never seen it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, oh. ding, ding, ding. She must have really related to that. <laughs> uh, Antichrist. Willem mm-hmm. Dafoe. Oh, oh Bill love Dafoe. Him. And R- Rush Hour. Oh. I've seen it. They jump out and like glide down and. Also, um, Die Hard. Die Hard. No. Well, that for sure. But also Lethal Weapon. I guess we couldn't say. She jumps off a balcony. Well, I had a hard time finding like. Is this an action jump out a window, right. or is it going it's kind of suicidal in tone it, when we talked talking about, about Monica it? jumping to her death? Yeah. And we've seen that trope a bunch. Uh, Chips. Guy jumps out of a helicopter. Gremlins, Wizard of Oz, oh. Total Recall, Nightmare on Elm Street, Airplane. It's a device. It's a trope. It is. I used it. I'm knock on wood. Not going to jump on it. Uh, okay, great, great, yeah. Unless it's in a movie. Into an airbag. And I need a, or a TV lot show. of... I need safety a lot of, no, like, yeah, knowledge that there's safety measures in place before I'll act. Like Squid Games 2. Squid Games 2. The challenge. You're going to be on that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I can't <laughs> wait to watch. I liked it already before a friend was on <laughs> What if I win $4.2 million on Squid Games Challenge? Squid Games Challenge did ruin, I think, probably a lot of reality competition shows. Yesterday, I started that show, The Trader or Traders or something. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's a reality. How did you end up starting that? Someone show? told me to watch it, and then oh. I just wanted something easy. And then I started it, and it's a reality competition show, kind of like Werewolves and Villagers, where it's a house full of people, but some of them are celebrities mm. and some aren't. Okay. And then at the beginning, in the first episode. Could you tell me about some of the celebrities that mm-hmm, are involved? Yeah. Uh, Someone from Real Housewives. Okay, great. Real Housewives. Ryan Lochte, the swimmer. Oh, sure. He <laughs> kept putting his foot in his mouth. He, he faked looks- that he had been hijacked. In, remember in Brazil, he pretended Something he, weird happened. Yeah, he, he had a whole fake story about being like assaulted or kidnapped. I don't it was remember all, it being kidnapped. Yeah, he was at a was gas it? station. It was a whole crazy story. Yeah. It was a real-time fact check. What is- uh, Ryan Lochte lies. Uh, Rio robbery story was a very big mistake. There you go. Locksgate, they're calling it. Um, Tale of being robbed in Rio de Janeiro. It's not true. Okay, so him. um, Oh yeah, it was Brandy from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Okay. Uh, And then like some some people from Survivor, Big Brother. Sari from Survivor. Sari. Perfect. (laughs) Um, Anywho, and then at the in the first episode, some people are picked. As the traitors. Mm. They have to- Suss out. Exactly. They have to figure out who the traitors are. And if the traitors win, they win the money. Yeah. Which is really fun and cool. But the money is $250,000, I think, split. Sure. And now Squid Game's challenge has ruined everything because it's 4.2 million one person. Well, yeah. Think about um, Are You the One, which we love so much. There's like 20 people splitting a million dollars. When you did the math, it was 50 grand. Well, that, yeah. yeah. This is worse than that. $250,000 split, split like, probably, I didn't listen to the rules, so okay. I don't know how many people are left at the <laughs> end. Will only be one person standing? I don't think so. I think on my Spin the Wheel show, there was a chance at winning $20 million. Wow. Yeah. Survivor's $1 million compared to Squid still, Game. That's still not yeah. a lot. And a lot harder. Yeah. I mean, they had to make Survivor. the stakes, though, similar to death. 
like yeah, this fortune or death. I know, I know, except that no one dies. It's amazing what they do on that show, Squid Games Challenge, where you are as invested even though no one is dying. Mm, yeah, yeah. They do a great well, job. Well, because the, they really build up the personal stories and why it would be life-changing to yeah. win. And so the, their real-life stakes are involved. Yeah, uh, I loved it. Me too. I can't wait for another season. Anyway, so that, I guess... You saw a new show. I saw uh, Ted Lasso. Uh, oh, we've been watching TV. It's gloomy out. Yeah, you're you're experiencing some sad. Yep, yep, yep. My yep. bus, I guess that's an update. My bus, is, my bus is in a state of disrepair. It stopped charging the batteries on the last day in the dunes when the generator was running. Despite the fact the generator is producing electricity, it had the air conditioners going and everything. Yeah. I don't know why it stopped charging. Brought it home, thought, well, when I plug it into the 50 amp, it'll start charging. Went out to the bus yesterday, dead. This is catastrophic when the bus dies. Yeah. There's a fridge on there. There's all those electronics. So then I hooked up an actual old-fashioned battery charger directly to the charger. And then all morning, I'm fucking combing the internet for mobile RV uh, repair. And uh, the result of which was a uh, four-plus-hour dream last night where shit was overflowing from every possible yeah. plumbing outlet in, in this weird house that wasn't my house, but it was my house. And it was so disgusting. None of it was mine. Ugh. And I just couldn't get out of that dream. And I couldn't get away from all the shit. It's so weird. And I ha I told you that I also had a weird dream last night where I was in college, but it wasn't my college, mm -hmm. but I was in college. You were there. Also, my friend Matt. Oh, I was there. You left that out the first time. Oh, well, you were there. And Matt, my How friend Matt. How could you Matt have left this out? <laughs> well, it wasn't that critical of a part. Okay. But you were there. and I feel very honored. I would have oh, loved to. Yeah, thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah. And you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> you were there, and my friend Matt Lischke was there. Okay. We also went to college at the same time. Yeah. And there was a lot of glass. Like, the college had a lot of glass Very modern campus. Yeah. Okay. We were in a lecture, and the professor was explaining a concept, and everyone understood. Everyone understood. I actually think it started out as you, and then t you turned into Matt. Okay. That, does that ever happen in your dream? Absolutely. People yeah, quite morph. often. Half the dream is about one human, and then they seamlessly become another I human. I know, it's odd. Yeah. But okay. And then probably also incredibly transparent. Like, the people probably have a quality that you're still wrestling with in both people or something. Like, whatever weird psychological thing your brain's trying to iron out, both people represent a similar challenge. Maybe. I'm not saying that's the case in this case. Right. But I definitely think that's... Perhaps what's happening. Yeah. It also could just be what you thought about that day. There's so much. Yeah. That who goes did you see in. on TV? Yeah, because who told us that dreams are is putting memories in filing cabinets? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's right. So anyway, the professor was teaching a concept and everyone understood it and I could not get it. Right. And I kept asking questions and I and I think part of it it was so frustrating because I think it didn't make sense. Uh -huh. Like it was actually nonsensical, but everyone else acted like they knew or yeah. they did know, but there was nothing to really know. A sane man in an insane world may appear yes, to be insane. Yes, exactly. You were the only person there that knew this was hogwash. But I wasn't like, you guys, this is insane. I internalized. It's like, why can't I get this? Yeah. And I could not get out of that dream. We were both in the we're shit. Trapped. In we were both trapped. We were trapped. You were trapped in shit and I was trapped in my mind. You were trapped in... Um, College. 
confusion. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Hmm. Huh. What's it mean? Rob, did you have any freaky dreams that you were trapped? No, not last night, I don't think. Okay. Did you, do you remember any of your dream last night? Not last night, no. All right, well, it's not going to be every night that we remember our dreams. When they're <gasps> brutal. And I'm listening to the weirdest fucking book. I don't even know. I think I've already told you this. I, I don't know who suggested it. Because generally every book in my thing is someone has suggested it. Mm -hmm. But it's like when we fail to stop understanding everything. Oh. Let's see. It's called When We Cease to Understand the World. And it's all these physicists over different periods. It also involves all this weird stuff about like the creation of cyanide and this blue paint that it comes from, this Ooh. beautiful blue color that only exists from cyanide. And all these physicists, and they all kind of lose their minds. That's a common theme. Ugh. So, <gasps> Do you think they lose their minds because of like trapped me in, in the dream? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, it's a perfect book for me to fall asleep because it's physics. It's so dense. Yeah. And yet it's it's a very horrific book. So much of it is gory and interesting. It's a very weird book. I like it, but I don't even know what's going on. It's just we keep it's like an anthology of all these different people who have lost their marbles. Yeah. And prove different things. I guess maybe what the theme is is like there is a sweet spot for all these people. Einstein obviously has a complete paradigm shift and a breakthrough with the theory of relativity. There's a moment in life where no physicist on the planet understands the universe as well as he does. But later in life, he doesn't understand quantum physics. He kind of goes out swearing off quantum physics. Mm -hmm. And so that's interesting, like how a guy who could see through something couldn't keep up with where it went. Yeah. And how confusing for these people because there's moments in all their lives where they're the smartest person in the world, but then they tip. They go into a zone that no one understands what they're saying anymore. Likely, they're not correct any longer. It's like being a victim of success in a way. It is. I mean, you can only be the number one for so long. Yes, and, and I think it's even trickier when you have defined yourself as someone who can see things other people can't and you are right. When you then become wrong, I don't know how one would evaluate that they're wrong because it's the same feeling they had at the beginning when no one understood what the fuck they were talking about. Yeah. And now here they are again, and they, last time they were right. But this time they were wrong. <laughs> I feel for them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. It does. In the same way, this is very unpopular for me to say. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's very unpopular. It's not a good opinion. Okay. But I do think it's the reality of things. Okay. And this in no way condones his behavior. But I think so many people were like, how could Bill Clinton, this smart of a human being, be getting a blowjob in the Oval Office? Mm -hmm. It seems crazy. But if you remind yourself that their entire life has been doing things that you weren't supposed to be able to accomplish and do, and pretty much the pattern you've observed in life is that really, no, the rules that apply to normal people don't apply to you. Yeah, He's the youngest governor ever. Then he's the very young president, impossibly. He returns to the governorship after being kicked out. Like all these things, just constant thing that if the rules that were applying to everyone else applied to him, he wouldn't be there. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he makes stupid decisions. A lot of them worked out. Yeah, but also I think some people, well, two things. One, I think some people can't help but just push the boundaries. And, again, that's a double-sided coin. And yeah. pushing the boundaries and becoming president is a huge accomplishment. But then you're going to push boundaries in other ways, too, and see what you can, subconsciously, see what you can get, see what your limits are. Yeah, yeah. 
And then also a lot of people really cannot help but self-sabotage. Yeah. Everything is exactly as you wanted it to be. Roseanne. Exactly. Yeah, just um, repeatedly takes herself out. Can't help but do it. Yeah. It's a. It's sad. Yeah, I find it heartbreaking in Roseanne's case. It's yeah. less heartbreaking in, in Bill's case, obviously, because he's an empowered male. I find it sad because I think it has so much to do with true self self esteem yeah. and, and value. Yeah. Yeah, and believing you deserve the things you have mm-hmm. and you don't think you do. Yeah. So you enact the karma that you think you deserve or something. Yeah. I wonder. What are you wondering? <laughs> We're in a really juicy spot right now because we've both been doing this way too long today. <laughs> we've done nine interviews. Yeah, I don't we're like telling people that. Why? It feels like we're complaining. I know we're not. Oh, I'm not complaining at all. I know. I just no. don't want it to ever seem like that. Oh, no. No. It's a, no. I'm delighted. It's an honor and a privilege. It really is. I'm <laughs> delighted to do it. But we oh. have real human capacities, you and I. And sometimes Barely. we blow by them. Pivot. Okay. I was thinking about something. Okay. Um, so, so. This, Here we go. This. Things are weird. I think weird things are about to happen. <laughs> I, um, like if you farted and threw up right now, I would be Don't like, wish that on me. Not I'm wishing it on me. <laughs> okay. Well, you know my favorite podcast, Nobody's Listening, right? Yeah. Love it mm-hmm. so much. I'm going to out myself. Okay. I listen to that show almost every day. Is it on every day? They put out that much content. They are once a week. Then how are you doing this? You're re-listening? Yeah. To one episode all week? God. Sometimes I go back to other ones. No judgment, okay? But they also have YouTube and- um, So you listen first and watch? I normally watch first and then I'll listen at night. It is a lullaby. Yeah. And I am hesitant to say that because it does make me sound- Crazy. Well, I was just helping you find the word. You don't need to ever. You're not allowed to say crazy anymore, but you can say bad shit. (laughs) No, I don't think you ever need to put that word in. Okay. Uh, I would never call you crazy, but I'd call you bad shit because that's kind of a funny thing to call someone. Well, but we know why. It brings me comfort, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. But often for our show, I think, my God, what are we doing? Like five times a week, we're flooding. This is too much for people. But then in my own personal life, I'm listening to the same show every night, wishing I would die. I'd be so thrilled. If they had a nightly one for you. Yeah. Yeah. Just hire them to make you a show every day. I've asked. I want them to send it to me a little early. Okay. Well, then you're just going to be out of it. No, this is a a classic addict behavior. It's (laughs) like you're going to buy Coke for the party on Friday, but you're going to pick it up on Wednesday. Bad idea. You're going to go through it before (laughs) Friday comes. This is not good. Okay. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so. Tune in next week. <laughs> Actually, tune, tune in tomorrow. tomorrow. We need to close on that. Tune bonus tomorrow. episode tomorrow. Yeah, bonus episode tomorrow. Fargo week. Also, you're probably frustrated because either the Lions won and are going to the Super Bowl or they haven't won and are not going to the Super Bowl. So either I would be ecstatic right now or I would be depressed in jumping out of a window like the many films we just listed. Yes. And so if you're curious why... I'm in neither state of mind it's because I haven't seen it yet. Tune in Thursday to see how you are. Yes, Thursday you'll know. 
Get my full reaction to the football game. <laughs> Christine, don't forget to tune in. It's going to drive so many more listeners. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Great. All right. Well, I love you. Love you.